Welcome to the B2B Podcast Stories, brought to you by GHA Marketing. Our guest today is Jeffrey Sample, known as the Iron Man of IT and currently the host of the Comtech Crew Podcast. The podcast traces its roots back to the Comtech Trio, founded by James Benham, George Bowen, and Rob McKinney, to educate the construction industry about technology. Today, expect to learn the effectiveness of storytelling in connecting with listeners and the potential of podcasts to build connections and networks within a specific industry. Jeff also explains how a podcast can be an amazing tool to educate people about a problem they didn't even know they have. Discover the value of strategic decision-making in podcast development and the importance of embracing innovation and staying abreast of technological developments in any industry. Before we begin, please remember to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show and we're going to keep bringing on amazing guests and stories about all the different ways of podcasting. And with that, here is Jeffrey Sample. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on, on the B2B Podcast Stories. Pleasure to have you. We're going to talk about podcasting today. Uh, what a surprise, something we talk a lot about on this podcast. And uh, today is going to be about the Contech Crew Podcast. So tell us a bit the story. What's the um, what's the story of the Contact Crew podcast? What do you guys do? Uh, how did it start? Give me give you the whole shebang. Ah, well, it's a it's a long story, but a fun one. It actually started off as the Contact Trio. Right. So about seven or eight years ago, the three original founders of the show came together and started it. We can get into to why they started it and some of the philosophy things we learned, but it was very early in the in the podcasting days and. I was actually a guest. So I was one of their early guests at about episode 26 and came on the show. And the three original guys who started it each had a role. And I turned out I was a really good fit for a role they didn't have because I have an IT background. So I was like this IT perspective. So on the show, what we're about is construction technology. So rewind the world construction really had not gone through its innovation and technology stage yet. It's it's not through it by any means now, but it really was on the precipice of starting. And so the, the trio was built around really helping the industry learn about the technology that existed from each of their perspectives. So the, uh, the original founder was a, a guy named James Benham. He owned a company called JB Knowledge. He was a software coder and developer for his whole life, fell in love with the construction industry and was building a product to support it. And a guy named Josh Bone at the time was really well known in the BIM community, which for your listeners is building information modeling. Most of you have seen a set of plans that's drawn by an architect on a piece of paper. Well, right. fast forward in our world, we've turned that into a digital environment, right? And so it's it's now 3D, so you can move about the drawings and, and do more with it and, and build more in reality. So he was at the forefront of teaching people on that. And then a guy named Rob McKinney, who was a safety guru, right? He was a safety guy who had learned very early on that apps on iPhones and iPads could really help capture data and help out the safety on a job site and make things more efficient. So he was working for a large contractor at that point. And eventually they all came together in a company. But when I came along, they realized, oh, we don't have this modern IT perspective. And I, unbeknownst to me, they started using me as a, as a fill-in host. So when something happened and one of the other folks couldn't make it, they'd ask me to jump in and what it turned out, and I was a, a huge podcast fan at the time. And so, you know, I was, I was beside myself that these three would really want me to, to join the show. And fast forward a, a few, a, a few years later, about a year later, I decided I wanted to move on from the job I was doing. And James said, I've been waiting for you to, to really do this. Come on over and let's turn this contact trio into the contact crew. And we're going to expand a little bit. And he actually added two more of us, uh, me and a guy named Buck Davis. And, you know, we kind of rounded out and it became the crew. And I actually went to work for James. And, you know, we, we can go through the story. But fast forward five, six years later, James is out of the industry. And the podcast had a huge following. And 
we were thinking, he was thinking about it. It might be time for it to be done. And I said, absolutely not. I love (laughs) this. And he said, well, would you run with it? And I said, yeah. And so about two years ago, I took the show over and I've been running it ever since. And I've expanded the amount of hosts to kind of meet the needs of the industry that we serve in construction. Because I don't think people, you know, really give construction its due, but you know, nobody in the world gets to drive their cars, live in their houses, drink clean water without us, you know, without Mm -hmm. the, the men and women that build the world around us. We call it the built environment because it's far more than your house or your office, right? You know, we don't get to do this and Riverside doesn't get to exist recording us if they don't have data centers that construction work is built and designed and, and things we just seem to take for granted on a regular basis. We just, we don't realize come from our environment, come from what we do here. So that's sort of the history of the, of the show itself. And, you know, my history is I'm, I'm 25 years in technology. I was an IT architect by trade originally. So worked on, you know, when you hit a button and it goes, yeah, I was there to fix it, you know, and I started as, <laughs> as a small PC person fixing PCs in a large company here in the ski resort town of Vail, Colorado. Worked for Vail Resorts for quite a few years and then went off and spun off to become a consultant with a, a group of people who built a ERP system, which is enterprise resource planning, if you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't know it, and for ski resorts. And found a love along the way for software development. So the two worlds collided. And then as happens in the software world, I found myself you know, needing a new job. And I found a, a large masonry contractor called Gallegos Masonry here in the town of Colorado and seriously fell in love with construction, fell in love with the people putting the work in place and the technology precipice we were at. I mean, mm-hmm. it has been a wild ride. The numbers of an investment in construction technology over the last you know, five years alone have been just astronomical. And so it's been a fun ride, man. And and this podcast thing has been a, a, a real important part of it. I moved on after uh, being a consultant for IT and technology and innovation to working in the software world. And that's where, you know, my, a lot of my philosophies around what podcasts can do and how these mediums can work came from. I was a director of strategic accounts for a project management company for a little bit. And then about three years ago, three and a half years ago, I went to work for a company called Join as their head of communications and then their industry evangelist. Mm. So it became my job to help the industry understand the problem set that our software solution was out there to play a part in solving. So that's sort of me. I hope that's a, I mean, I know that was a little long winded. I'm, it's crazy that's you get perfect. on this side of the microphone and you're right. You know, How does that feel? <laughs> it's good, it, right? It feels weird not to try to throw you a question, right? Yeah, now. but that's perfect. And I like it like that. And it's going to continue exactly like this, Jeff. So actually, so it's B2B podcast stories, but um, I'm much more on the story side. And what you're, what you're explaining here is super interesting. Also from the origin standpoint of the podcast, why do you feel, why do you think construction is quote unquote, lagging behind in terms of technology. What, what led to this? Because as you said, that's, that's a bit the fundamentals. And I know lots of people from lots of industry like to say their industry is about the fundamentals, but construction, literally you said, if you don't put up something from the ground, you don't have any place to do or leave or whatever. So how come it's an industry that is uh, that much behind in terms of technology? And is it about to change or how do you see it? Yeah, it, it is about to change. It's lagging behind for a good reason. The first thing I'll say is that if you look at how it's defined, it's behind. But I think if you really stop for a second and take a look around at the stadiums, the office buildings, the high rises, you know, the things that are going on, we've innovated and built crazy new things along the way. So part of it is a definitional issue. So we have been innovating, right? But technology in and of itself had a lot of barriers to making it in construction for a number of really good reasons. Any of you who are listening who stayed in uh, a hotel recently on the 30th floor, you really didn't think about your bed falling through the floor or anything happening to the building, did you? <laughs> I hope they didn't. Well, I hope you didn't. And I, and I had a friend say that to me once and I went, yeah, you're right. And he goes, well, that was built on a low risk tolerance 
and a very, very distinct process to make sure that that building is built in such a way that that happens. So there's a low risk and a low tolerance for change and innovation in our environment. So that's one of them, right? You know, you'll hear it called, you know, we've always done it that way. Yes, that is some of the barriers that are holding us back. And that is true. But some of the reality is our risk tolerance is important because, you know, people's lives are at risk and it's important. So the technology had to reach it. Plus, everybody takes Internet for granted. But when you're building a new building, the internet's not there yet. There's no plumbing. We pull in a trailer and launch things up. So connectivity and and the workflows that we had to do were difficult, right? And we didn't have great cell service. Just think 10 years ago, eight years ago, the iPhones were new. These were new things to us. And nationwide coverage just wasn't a thing so there were some technological barriers that way so a lot of the early providers had to build offline capabilities and had to think about things that that modern SaaS companies facebook and google they don't have to think about you know you just you just fire it up you got internet you go so some real barriers there and then you know we do have a real fragmented industry if you think about other industries they're pretty verticalized you know there's manufacturers or manufacturers they have a number of plants you know they make coca-cola they make pepsi they make a pharmaceutical drug whatever when you're thinking about building a building the idea comes from an owner somebody who wants to build something those big companies of the world that want to build something they go to a bunch of architects and find an architect that they want to work with the architect draws something up then they go find engineers to engineer it then they go find general contractors to bid on it Those general contractors go to trade contractors to get good pricing and availability. And then those trade contractors go to distributors who give them the product, cement, concrete, piping, valves, sprinkler heads, and price them. And and that's the process that it takes to build a building. And those are the entities. And each one of those has their own set of business goals and perceptions and perspectives. And so, and you're almost always competing with one another in some way, shape or form. So it really created a hard environment because it wasn't like, like, oh, here's this great software, just use it, you know, soup to nuts and you're going to be good. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So we had to think about, oh, these work for these workflows and these work for these folks. And, and how are we going to get them to talk to one another? So the complexity was huge. So wow. that that's some of the reasons that we we didn't see it. Plus, we weren't a target early on. So also, it kind of took the world waking up to the financial and sort of some of the big problems, right? We used to be able to throw bodies at things. You know, and you'll still see this in certain countries where they do have a, a higher labor force than we do here in the United States or in the United Kingdom or in... Australia, like this problem is growing in, you know, modern countries. We don't have the labor force. Mm. We don't have the people to do the work. And, and yeah, we had a problem here in the United States and there's a problem in, in Europe as well around sort of the image of a trade contractor and somebody who does plumbing and, and pipe fitting and does electrical work. So that drew a bunch of people away from the industry. So we had a, we had a twofold problem there and, and, but we're never going to keep up with the number of people we need for our business. Mm. It's just not possible for us to do. It's the same thing that we saw in manufacturing, right? There is not enough people to work in manufacturing facilities across the world. If we were to do it manually, if you look in those, there's a ton of robotics, a ton of automation, a ton of technology that's actually driving the creation of products. But we're that in before it's ever been built. Mm. So we've also had to completely rethink the way we do things and the way we work together to start to to fabricate and do things off site with less people. But ultimately, we've got to deliver these things to a site a lot of times in a city that doesn't want to stop. Yeah. Right. 
And and so there's a lot of complexity in how we get all that done. And those have created barriers, but I think they've created opportunities, Cam. Like the opportunity that exists today. I mean, just from from five, six years ago when I got started, I couldn't imagine the opportunities that are available to young people coming into our environment. I mean, we Yeah. Go ahead. No, but because one of the things you mentioned here, we we lack people, we don't have any enough enough manpower basically well shouldn't that be a driver to adopt technology and innovation because hey that's the the lazy man benefits right the laziest you are the more of an intelligent solution you will find to do the least possible was getting the maximum benefits if you don't have a choice because you don't have the people anyways well you better embrace technology because otherwise you're gonna get overtaken by xyz so it's funny as, as you mentioned it like the, the more you dig into it the more you see, we take everything for granted, whilst just like erecting a building takes so much like interdependent like actors who are also independent on their own. Uh, super, super interesting. But so, Jeffrey, that's exactly what you you break down in in the, in the Contact Crew show. You started, you mentioned you started at episode twenty six as a guest. I, I was just checking checking the number of episodes right now. You guys are up more than five hundred episodes now, so it has been going on for almost a decade basically no if if i count one episode a week yep so how do you like how do you keep the flow of guests and topics and stuff to talk about entertaining because obviously i mean entertaining and insightful right because the intention of the of the show is also to educate people on hey this is this is the construction technology world we are evolving in and like it's it's to make things known how do you navigate this how do you go from 26 episodes to 500 was keep on building the audience and keeping stuff interesting. I think I'm a little lucky uh, because <laughs> the problem is so large and the change has been so slow. Okay. It, it really has been. And at each point, there's been a change in the industry that required some education, some learning, some familiarity. You said that like the, the lazy man wants to find the way. The problem is... You know, if you're thinking about a factory, again, you have a building and you're like, okay, I could put a robotic arm here to do this. I could put some rollers in. I could come up with some really cool things that can do this. Well, this is a really challenging problem to say, okay, well, how am I going to build walls and curtain walls and windows and HVAC systems and electrical systems and, and mm -hmm. put them together? It, it's a very challenging problem. And we started attacking workflows that were really taking time away from people. And we've progressed from that into more really powerful solutions. When you talk about building information modeling, where we can do a 3D version of it, of a building, then what we're doing is we're reversing that sequence and trying to send as much of it as we can out to be done in a modern fabrication facility and then delivered on site larger think of legos yeah. you know lego style to be okay put this together. i can understand this i can understand go ahead <laughs> yeah put together with with instructions right yeah. but but when you build a lego you know lego builds a new lego they come up with a with a set of instructions and they send it to you right and that gets done a million times over mm -hmm. there's very few buildings that look exactly the same so we're always reinventing the wheel every time. And, and what do we need to reinvent? What don't we need to reinvent? So it's provided a lot of great minds, great experiences, but also a lot of great failures. Mm. And for me, it's been, you know, early on in the days, it was about educating on the technology in general, right? You had construction cool. leadership who knew how to build, but this technology thing was new to them. So we had to introduce them to accounting and what it meant to take your accounting system and integrate it with your project management system to learn about your business and get insights. And I think back then to, you know, just some of the simple things that cloud was a thing back then and that we could go to the cloud and what did it really mean? Like, was it in the sky somewhere? No, like there's buildings <laughs> places and your data lives places and, and getting them to understand like, Oh, but if I can see it, then it's mine and it's here and it's not off in the cloud. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, if you're off in Microsoft's cloud, they're getting attacked every day. Mm -hmm. So they, they spend a lot of time securing it. 
well, y you don't have that kind of money nor time. So let Microsoft do that and start leveraging it. Let Google do it and start leveraging it. So we had this ability to, to educate the market. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, this is a B2B podcast. So, you know, for those listening, like part of the thing was we had financial goals. We had a reason for doing the show that we did. Mm -hmm. But we couldn't get people to want to change if they didn't understand the problems, if they didn't understand, if we didn't lead them to the solutions that were out there, not just ours, but everybody's, you know, all the people fighting for it. And if we could get our fair share of that while helping the industry, then we were putting ourselves in a really good position. And about two years ago, when I took it over, one of the things I did notice was, you know, we were kind of recycling new technology because it wasn't really new right it was it was just a competitor for another technology and so i slowed down the technology a little bit and i went i'm like you cam i love a great story <laughs> and our industry is full of the most colorful people with the most incredible stories with crazy family backgrounds and crazy stories around the things that they've built and the things that they've seen and and so I kind of leaned into that part to say, it's hard. Here's the other thing. Change is hard. If it was easy, I wouldn't be 500 episodes in. It would have been, <laughs> it would have been 30, 40 episodes and, and see you later. So it's hard. And yeah. misery loves company. So hearing the story of somebody else who failed... It might make you, oh, okay, I don't feel so dumb for failing the way I failed. Or, hey, maybe I won't ever make that mistake because that's a person I, I listen to and I believe in. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm just going to not try to not do that. And it gives us a unique opportunity to tell those great stories, to be about those people. And I mean, and that, that's what I fell in love with. I fell in love with the people. And then, you know, thanks technology, it never, it never stops innovating. It never <laughs> stops changing. It never stops advancing. The one thing you can count on is the technology, you know, today will be very different in, in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So they have continued to bring us, uh, on the show, great new inventions, new innovations. Mm -hmm. And also I'm grateful for our listeners. I mean, they've stuck with us. That's the only reason I yeah. get to do the show is because so many people continue to listen and I'm always really taken aback and I, I, I can't say how grateful I am about, you know, somebody will come across the show that's never seen it for some reason, never heard it. And they'll start ripping through episodes and sending me messages on LinkedIn or sharing the things that they see or telling cool. their colleagues. And then, you know, you're making a difference. 100%. You said something that triggered my curiosity there, Jeff, a bit earlier on. You mentioned, okay, we, there were a trio at first, then we became a crew and I brought even more hosts on the show. I, I thought so far that one of the common mistakes podcasters could make is to have too many hosts. The reason I was thinking that is, well, you want to create that habit in the listener that it's always the same person or maybe the one or two same person who are always interviewing to like kind of create that bond with the, with the audience and with the listener. What's the reason why you chose to have, like, actually, how many do you have? How many hosts do you have on your show? So there's 10 of us. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that's plenty. So a good, like almost a dozen. Mm -hmm. Why is that? What does it bring to your podcast and how do you manage all that? So it was actually a unique opportunity. I believe that James, when we started the show, gave me a huge opportunity to find another career. And I felt like I needed that and owed that to the, the other people coming up behind me, coming up through the industry that had some that had learned from us and listened to us and some whose stories we were telling that it was their time to somewhat tell their stories. I do agree with you, Cam, the consistency of a voice is really important. That's why, I mean, it's always me and another host. It's rarely anybody else. And then a guest because they're consistently hearing my voice. I'm pulling the, the thread through that we've, we've always brought. Right. But, but also if you look at the depth of topics that we have to cover, 
it requires that expertise. And I'm only one person. I can't be out there looking for those future stories. And these folks are out there looking for those future stories, looking for those people, making connections. And I provide them with an opportunity to bring those people to the show and tell their stories. And that helps them in business, right? This is B2B. Let's not forget that behind us is a goal. And each one of them has their own set of goals for their own brand and their own businesses. Mm -hmm. So why shouldn't I share that audience, that perspective and give my listeners as much as I possibly can give them and as many perspectives as I can give them while maintaining a, a regular cadence of someone like me that they hear from. Nice. And so that's why I've done it. Love that. You have to leave a piece of the pie for the others. It's about amplifying that networking effect that the podcast has, because that, that's one of the things we advocate for the most is like podcast is such a good way to network. You get, you get your foot in the door into rooms that you would have never reached or very difficultly or after years and years of hustle. And you amplify that by 10 because you're basically like, Hey, we are 10 of us. So here are our 10 networks. That is just not a sum. It's not an addition. It's not one plus one. It's like, it's multiplying almost because you introduce people to each other. You get to know more people. Super interesting way of doing it. But so Jeff, you've touched upon it a couple of times now, the goal behind the podcast. So I think you mentioned one of the hosts initially was, did he start the company? Um, <laughs> did he start the podcast because of the company or did he have the podcast before the company? And then he was like, Hey, that could be a good way to make a link here. How did it happen? It happened. He had the company before and okay. he, uh, JB knowledge was the name of the company and he okay. had invented something called smart bid. Okay. It was a bidding software. So when I was talking about that process and we, yeah. we go owner, architect, engineer, and then they go to a general contractor and the general contractor goes out to the trades. It was a platform for them to upload the drawings and information. So trade contractors could be alerted, come in, look at, they wanted to bid on it and then bid on it all in a single cloud platform so that the general contractor had one place to put it all together and work with it. And, you know, if there was changes, et cetera, and also find, you know, contractors, if you're moving around the country you might have an understanding of it, but you might not have relationships everywhere you go. And you might not know who has, you know, enough workers to do the work for you. Mm -hmm. So it was a way to, to discover that. And what I think James and the team learned really quickly was, oh, wow, this is a big problem, but people don't understand it. And how are we going to educate on it? And how are we going to talk about it? And the podcast thing was new. And I don't know that necessarily selling the software was, was top of mind at the time. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, we created this sort of playbook that we now all understand a little bit more. That if, if you're a new product in a new category and you want to go out and you want to grow... The first thing you have to do is identify and define the problem and then nice. get the minds in the room discussing the problem so that this is where anybody who wants to learn comes to learn and you get your share of those people to buy your product, right? Because they come in, they're educated. They know you're at the center of it. You got to care. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't just sit up there and, you know, Cam can't sit behind a mic and this blah, blah, blah. And we're <laughs> going to come buy whatever Cam's selling. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's that you have to build trust. You have to build connection and uh, put yourself at the center of that problem, not as the expert either. This is a, this is a real common misconception. I am not an expert on any of it. I'm a great, orator and storyteller and interviewer mm -hmm. to help people talk about the problems in a way that my listeners can understand it and digest it. And then they can go find the solutions that exist out there. And hopefully mine is one of them. 
And that's the, and to me, that's the, you know, if you remove the veil behind what is podcasting in a B2B perspective, that's what it is. And people, people get that wrong. Uh, I think consistently. I want to double down on one other thing you said here, Jeff. Um, podcast needs to be genuine. Like there is no, there is no way around it. Like you cannot just go there with a hidden intention, which is actually the whole agenda. You need to be like, okay. I'm genuinely interested into that field. I want to help the industry into that field. I want to help people. I want to connect people. And then back to the thing, right? You need to share a piece of the pie. Like eventually people will come to me or will go to others or will ask for recommendations. And sometimes I'll be like, yeah, yeah, it, you, you better go in that direction or you should check out what that person does. And some of the times you'll be like, hey, I can actually help there. And there you go, and there you share the pie, and there you can have a piece of the piece of the business. But podcast needs to be genuine. That's hundred percent true, and couldn't couldn't have said it better. So that guy starts the show um, because he identifies that problem. He says, "Hey, I want to get into the room with people who are concerned by that problem and educate the broader industry." And and then what? Because so three years late, later, he sells the he sells the company, right? Or how long did it take? It's about four or five years later. Four or five years. Okay. So then he sells the company, the episode reaches great audience, lots of episodes. And he's like, okay, I think, I think we, we might be done with it. To which Jeff arrives and says, no way, that's not happening. Not, not on my watch. So now what? What's the, because if there was an intention behind the podcast at the beginning, which was educating this industry, getting in the room with the people who are concerned by the problem, but also supporting the business and vice versa, the business supporting the, the podcast. Now the podcast is on its own, which could make sense actually, because it's so big and it has such an audience that it could be standalone. Is there any other business aspects to it for you, Jeff, or for the other nine hosts? Well, so yes, there are some still business aspects. I think one of the interesting things that happened along the way is we were early enough into the game and we caught fire. You're 100% right. And I had somebody come up and talk to me about this. And I want to I want to pass this on to your listeners because there's obviously folks who care about B2B. Mm -hmm. And I want to give you a little perspective. This is one of the most intimate settings that you can be a part of. 100%. Because if you listen to how our medium is consumed, it's consumed very privately, usually over headphones usually or on a car radio on a drive on a commute and it is you your guest and that person and you're literally having a conversation with them even though they can't interact back with you so if you think that cam's wrong and you can hide your intentions you are wrong <laughs> they will see right through it and so it has to be authentic and we caught fire it was interesting because yes, we started and I think we were supporting the understanding and supporting the business, but somewhere along the line, we, we stumbled into something that was bigger and was more beyond our, our individual goals and it more supporting an industry and really keeping a flame burning for that industry to grow and to have a place to come and talk and, and tell their stories and do, you know, more. And so it was interesting when I first took it over, I was an evangelist for a company, right? So my voice being out there, there was an opportunity there with that group to really define and talk about the problems that existed in the change in the industry. And that was what was really powerful for me is most of these other guest hosts that kind of come on with me are very innovative and are very much trying to do the same thing, educate around a set of problems so that the industry understands it has a problem to attack and that it has deficiencies, but also celebrate those wins too. talk about the things that are working, talk about the change that is there. And a lot of those, it's funny, a lot of those companies, a lot of those people that come to me are really... They're like, I just want to, I just want to share this with you. And I, I just want you to, to help me tell the story to the industry. So they know it's possible. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot that are, you know, Hey, I want to, I want to come on and sell my thing. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, 
Sorry. <laughs> I, if I can tell, they'll be able to tell. Yeah. And then for me too, I'm consistently learning and currently started my own company as a consultant mm -hmm. and I'm looking for the next step in the journey for me. And so part of it is going out and learning from people, having, I guess, transparency to say, I don't know what I don't know. And I want to go learn it. And I think people enjoy that too. Uh, I had a, a guy named Andy Verone on recently because I'm obsessed with kind of understanding this process called project controls in construction. I won't bore the listeners with what it is, but I didn't understand it. And multiple people kept saying it in front of me. Okay. And Andy and I had met along the way and he reached out and said, Hey, you know, we're doing this thing with this company called Contruent and I'd really like to, you know, to talk to you about it. And I was like, Andy, I'll bring you on if you'll just sit down with me and explain what the heck it is Project Controls me. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many of my guests will reach out and say, oh, I'm so glad you did that because I didn't know what it means either. And by the way, it didn't even help because I asked somebody else and they give me a different one. So I'm like, well, at least we'll get all the definitions out there and, and we'll figure it out. And it helps those people reach a new set of people because in the end, what the podcast has become is a place for people to find real solutions to real problems that are affecting them in their day-to-day -day life. Whether that's a, they're a business owner and they're looking for a technology to help them run their business, whether they're a trade contractor that's trying to keep their head up every day, get home to their kids and spend time with them and not work 60, 80, 100 hours a week doing paperwork, mm -hmm. right? They should be doing valuable value add work that they go home every day feeling great about. And if we can touch as many of those people as possible and help them, then we've done our jobs. And each one of us has a day job. Mm -hmm. And it the podcast now amplifies those jobs. It amplifies our voices. And that's what we do. And and for me, I also, you know, I think I've become sort of a professional podcast host at this point because I love <laughs> at this it. stage. At this stage, yeah. I, I think at this point, Cam, I can say that's that's the case. Yeah, that makes sense. The, um, and we're gonna talk about the two other shows, um, Jeff, hundred percent. I want to I want to share a small anecdote as well. The, the, that thing that you mentioned earlier about people coming to you, because that's also part of the magic of the podcast, right? At some stage, it will be renowned enough in the industry that you'll have people coming to you. People, of course, who want to sell stuff. That that's all, will always be the case. Like they, they could have access to an audience, so they will try. Okay, no harm in that. But you will have people out there who are like just genuinely interested into sharing stuff. Like, hey, just let me access your audience so I can give them, like just give them. We had um, on our first podcast with Usam, after probably nine, 10 months in, uh, we have somebody reaching out to us, a director in, a, in, in one of the leading software companies in the industry are evolving in. And the guy says, um, hey, can I come on the show? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, what do you want to talk about? Oh, whatever. I, I just want to educate people. I'm specialized in that. Happy to talk about it. And we're like, yeah, sure. How did you, how did you find us? Uh, oh, but I'm, I'm listening to your episodes. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at episode 60. I'm like, what, what the hell? We, we were thinking that we were educating educating entry-level people in the industry. And we had directors in a system vendor company who was just like binging our, our episodes because he just found it cool. And he was like, yeah, it's entertaining. And actually I'm learning from others and you're interviewing some quite good folks. So I, I would like to be part of it. And I'm just coming and, and explaining treasury if you'd like. And we're like, sure, but why the hell are you listening to us? And it's insane. Like when you start arriving to that point of podcasting where you have people reaching out to you and just say, hey, can I help you? And like back to that networking thing, right? That's the, that's the power of it. You will not only get your foot in the door into rooms you would have never access to, people will invite you. They will be like, hey, come into my house. I'd like to share something with your audience out of genuine, yeah, good intention. And that's so cool. That's so, so cool. Jeff, you mentioned it. You, you became a professional podcaster. But why is that? What our audience doesn't know yet is that you have two other shows. One of them is, if I remember correctly, let me pull out my notes here, the construction dogs. And the other one I forgot. So tell us about those two others. What is it about and what are you doing there? Cool. Well, I'll start with the construction dorks. That was a result of COVID. So, you know, you got to look for the silver lining and everything. And we brought a podcast out of it. So part of the process of the contact crew was we actually started traveling around. We would do the show live places. We've all nice. become professional speakers in one way, shape or form because 
these stories that we have and that we are able to tell do really well over the air, but also, you know, are great in person when we can sit down and, and facilitate a conversation in person it, that this skill translates to that. So a lot of us travel around and, and selling software, you go from event to event as well. So it, it was part of our day jobs. But you heard me as I was talking to you when I say BIM, then I explain building information modeling, mm -hmm. right? That gets old after a while. I will be quite frank. And <laughs> at night, there's some times when we just want to dork out and get deep on the problems and the technology sets and not explain ourselves, argue. And so a, a lot of times in the bar after the event was when the real debates would go on over a drink. <laughs> And uh, there was a few of us who would who would do that on the regular together. And when COVID hit, we started doing Zoom and talking to each other over over a bourbon and, cool. you know, getting our dork on. And <laughs> I think it was like the second one. So it's uh, a guy named Trent Leinenbach, Travis Voss and Jonathan Marsh and I started it. And I think it was Trent who said, guys, why don't we like invite people to this? And, and then I think, it, I don't know if it's Travis or John or like, well, let's turn it into a podcast. And, and they went, do we know any podcasters? And they kind of looked at me and I was like, well, yeah, I kind of know, know how to do it. So let's do it. And we just turned it on and the construction dork was born, dorks was born. And, you know, we have an MA on it. So we all introduce our drink. We don't necessarily explain things to people because this was more about a different dork level of conversation elevating the other dorks in our world that wanted to really go deep on the technology and really have a space for that and so the construction dorks was born out of that and it, it was crazy because we came out of covid and and you know i've been a crew member for for a long time so i get the oh you're with the contact crew and and i'll never forget when when somebody was like, oh, hey, you're a construction dork. And I was like, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I guess it's too. I'm like, this thing's catching fire. And again, in a little niche yeah. where it, people want to go and just hash it out and talk about some of that, those types of things. And so it's a different medium for us. And I love it too, because it's a, it's a way more laid back. There's no show notes. There's no, there's no preparation we turn the camera on, we say, and we're live and that's it. We go. Cool. And it's, it just goes where it goes. And that's a lot of fun, right? That, that allows us to be ourselves for a little while in a way that, that helps us, right? It benefits us, but it also benefits the other folks that are in our position that are listening and gives them an outlet to come on and like, just dork out on whenever they want. Hmm. Um, that's cool. And that might. That might not help your B2B folks much, but the other podcast that I started and it's, it's sort of on hold right now with the software company that I left, but this is the thing. If you're going to do a product, if you're going to build a product for an industry and they don't even know they have the problem, I said this earlier, you've got to define the problem and put yourself at the center of it. Nice. And we were going through that process of what's called a product categorization exercise at join. And I was ac had access to all the raw data and what we kept hearing from customers, from the people inside our organization, from non-customers in the organization was that this process of construction was disjointed. <laughs> and no I kept seeing disjointed, disjointed, disjointed. And I'm like, this is not a coincidence that we are called join and that the industry is disjointed. And if we're going to define this problem that we're out here to solve, what a better way to do it than with a show, something I'm comfortable with, but something that I think is needed because it's a great way to educate. It's a great way to tell a story. And it's very different than the way I did the other two. Right. The other one, the first one, the crew, organic, really new problems, technology across the industry, able to kind of focus on a little bit of everything and really getting adoption running. This disjointed was around a transformation in the industry itself. Not to bore your listeners, but our, our construction world is going from something called design, bid, build, mm -hmm. three very separate stages. 
and very much chucking it over the fence. And that creates friction to a collaborative delivery method, right? That is where we're, we're not designing bidding and building it. We're designing it and bidding it, costing it in real time to get to a budget, to get to a value, right? Because there's a value out of every building that you build. If you're, if you're water treatment facility, it's about how much water can you treat? How fast can you treat it? If you're a lab, it's about how fast can you start and how many stations can you have? If, it, if you're a pharmaceutical company, it's about how fast can you get your drug to market to make your money before there's a competitor for you? So those values are different. If you're a hospital, it might be beds. It used to be beds. Now it's, hey, we want natural light and we want access to the nature around us because it's better for for health and recovery, mm -hmm. right? It's a better environment to recover it. So those values have changed. And so we changed the process. And when we changed the process, we didn't necessarily educate people that you're bringing unconscious bias that, you know, we're all here to draw swords and fight with one another all the time. Wait, now we're collaborative. So we built this platform to support that. But we, we were like, oh, wait, we forgot. People don't know they have the problem. Mm -hmm. So I had the fun job of going out and getting a chance to interview in season format. And this is how I did it differently as I built seasons around problem sets and where our company was and where what we were seeing and having those people tell those stories in a way that, hey, look at this perspective, this perspective, this perspective, this perspective. And then at the end, I was able to say, hey, if you listen to all of this, here's the golden thread. Here's why we're doing what we're doing. Here's what we think you should be focused on. And it really, you know, quickly put us at the center of the conversation, but in a very different way. Like I have a, I mean, the crew has a very large audience. Mm -hmm. It took time and that necessarily isn't always the goal. I think that's a misconception in our world is that, oh, I've got to go get, you know, 20,000 listeners. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're a business and you're doing a B2B podcast and of all 20,000 of them, none of them is your customer. Well, you're putting a lot of effort out. Maybe people like it, mm -hmm. but it might not be aligned with your goals as a company, you know, but if I have a hundred, 200 listening that are decision makers that are experiencing the problems that are leading the charge towards change in their companies, and I'm a part of it, like you said, that door will all of a sudden open, yeah. you know, this way I'm talking to leadership and one of their, you know, in our world, it's estimators and pre-construction people. And one of their pre-construction people goes, Hey, I found this join thing. And they go, Oh, I've been listening to my colleagues on that show. What does the product do? Boom. Boom. That's that door opening that you never thought would open. And it does it at an accelerated pace. Yeah. Because they care that you care about them. Most software companies aren't out there. There's some, but most and most founders are truly passionate about solving some sort of problem that they think and believe has really impactful causes to, you know, really, really good outcomes, mm -hmm. right? They can make an impact on change and, and improving people's lives. So this is an opportunity to tell that. And focus on it and be at the center of it. And who cares? The other one is people like, oh, well, I might be, they might go to my competitor. Fine. Great. Mm -hmm. I, I will tell you this. It, as long as I have been doing this and I am in the software sales business, right? I'm out there educating and evangelizing and helping our teams sell software. I would much rather go toe to toe with a competitor. Right. I'd rather be Google and Microsoft mm -hmm. than cloud and status quo, mm -hmm. because getting someone to change who's not ready to change is an epic waste of time and money in most cases, because I can't tell you how many of those people just go, that seems hard. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Maybe in six months. 
Yeah. Six, mm-hmm. call me in six months. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that budgeted this year. Oh, yeah, right. Why don't you just tell me that you don't care, you don't believe me, and tell me to go walk because it'll save us all time, honey. And I'd rather work across the table and I'd rather go toe to toe. I, I think it was, uh, I'm a huge Simon Sinek and, mm-hmm. and Adam Grant fan. And, and I think it was Simon who defined, what do you call it? Worthy rivals. Right. He used to look at Adam Grant as like his enemy. And one day he realized, oh, wait, they're a worthy rival. This is someone I want to grow. I want to see them do well because I can do well, too. It's, it's why I would come on another person's podcast. I think podcasts were one of the first experiences of that where you might not like them, but Joe Rogan did this. You know, Rogan would have all of his other friends on who had their own shows to raise their popularity. And I'll never forget listening to the first episode that my buddy Josh sent me. He said, listen to this, listen to this. I think we need to do this. I think this is key that rising tide lifts all ships. Go on other people's shows. I bring other construction podcasts on my show. I plug them. Because again, I think they have their thing. I have mine. Kim, you have yours. We can work together and be worthy rivals, share our audiences and help people. This is the opportunity there to create something greater than the sum of its parts by, by being worthy rivals with one another, by, you know, a buddy of mine, Chad Pearson from uh, Plexus, he, was, uh, he, he sells software and also coaches MMA fighting. <laughs> That's and, quite parallel industries. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an interesting world, but he helped me with this. It's like the MMA thing, right? Like you mm-hmm. go off and Cam goes off and trains his butt off and I go train my butt off mm-hmm. and we respect each other. But when we get in the ring, man, I want to choke you out. I want my show to do better than your oh, show. Oh, yes. Bring it on, Jeff. Bring it yeah. on. And Cam's like, I want my show to do better than your show. But at the end, we get up, we shake hands, we hug, and we go, I'm going to go train harder. You know, Cam, you got me this time. You choked me out. I'm going to go sense. train on the mat more. And you're going to go do your thing more. And you're going to inspire me to work harder and to think differently. And that's what the shows can do together. That's what podcasts can do. They can do that for you. They can do that for your cut for your listeners. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can create lifelong relationships that who knows where they're going to help you. I'm with you, man. I come across people all the time and I'm blown away mm-hmm. when they open a door for me and they're like, yeah, you're the guy from the crew or the dorks or disjointed disjointed was really small and it's super niche. And we got two seasons in and, I'll never forget when somebody who I really, really, really respect in the industry said, Hey man, I just binged both seasons and I can't tell you how valuable it was to listen to those people talk about their perspectives. Again, in our modern world, perspective and perception are different Mm -hmm. and we all come with a perspective and it's just natural, right? It's the, it's, it's, it's our own personalities. It's our own experiences. It's, it's the lens that we put people put information through. Mm -hmm. But if you can have a perception of those other people and their perspective, then you're really, really powerful at the table because you understand your perception and you are your perspective, but you also understand that theirs is different and you can have a perception of that. And that allows you to empathize with them. That allows you to work through a problem much better because you're not running into these dark spots over your shoulder. These, these shaded areas that you didn't know about because you're open to them. And, and, you know, just knowing, and that's what we did in that, in that podcast was I let a designer talk so that an owner would understand and a general contractor would understand those dark shady spots. They didn't. So when they all sit at the table in this collaborative process, they can better perceive the perspective of the other people 
and how to how to navigate that that allows you to create consensus and to move things forward so and that skill translates to anything jeff the only thing i think we haven't talked so far is the difficulties of it like what were the challenges you faced in those years of podcasting three shows 500 episodes even more across the different podcasts what's what's the number one challenge you faced and how did you overcome it I think at any time, you know, you get overwhelmed. Some, it's funny. I think at different stages, we've had different problems. So I think early on, it was finding charismatic people who could come on. I mean, heck, early on, Riverside that we're on, that didn't exist. Yeah. If you saw, Cam, the number of ways that we tried to record our show, <laughs> produce our show stream our show i mean we've done everything along the way to try and do it i mean skype and oh it was just so those early ones and they were they were just atrocious at times and getting somebody to have a microphone and a headset and and not freeze up yeah i mean you turn the lights on i've had some of the most talkative influential wonderful smart people turn the light on and they just go uh-huh yes <laughs> no and you're like uh it's a podcast we started recording <laughs> we're recording they, they want to hear you not me oh, um, man. And, and getting them out of that shell and 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 really connecting with them and getting them comfortable to, to tell their stories and 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 hard stories right like some of the some of the hardest moments are when you're sitting there and somebody's pouring their heart out mm -hmm. and you're you want them to keep going but you also realize they're like reliving that pain yeah you don't necessarily want them uh you feel for them but you you know you need the story out there so i think you know early on it was technical and those you know thankfully we overcame it with a lot of grit and some luck and some new platforms and then for me too, there was a burnout. Okay. And burnout still happens. Uh, we can't not talk about it. And in fact, on the content crew, I've started a, a series called the pause for the cause. Love that. The suicide rate in construction is the highest of any industry. Hands down. We, we unfortunately yeah. crossed number one this year in the United States, the UK, and uh, Australia, New Zealand. And the conversation around burnout, the conversation around mental health, it was real. We were, uh, you know, a, a few of us were experiencing it. We were out on the road. We were working hard. We were trying to tell stories. We were trying to sell software. We were trying to change an industry, an industry that quite frankly, at times was trying to fight us in many hmm. respects. So it was a, it was a labor of love and effort but we didn't give ourselves the grace that we would burn out over time. I mean, I think when, when James handed the show over, part of that was, man, I have been carrying a burden for a very long time and, wow. and I need, I need a break. I need a change. He changed industries completely. He found a new passion, something that, that ignited him. So again, it was, and, and, and I took it on and after it, and at first it was, you know, just, uh, all smiles and holy cow this is mine and this is great and then one day i woke up and went oh my god this is mine and, <laughs> and i have to keep it running and i have you know i pull up my podcast numbers and i'm like i have five thousand today i have seven thousand oh my gosh am i on a trend do people like me and can i keep it fresh and so you know those were there and that's where you have to lean on other people that's why the 10 hosts, that's where I can call up that network and be transparent and say, Hey guys, women, you know, that, by the way, that was the other thing with mine is we were four white guys, mm -hmm. diversity of thought and information and access is huge. And so immediately that was one of my things intentionally lean into adding female hosts to the show, adding people of color to the show, just people with, but to me. It was less about that and more about different perspectives. Like yeah, I'm going to yeah. go add this industrial person that has that background. So that also continually re-injecting motivation into it and purpose is key. 
and that's you know the dorks it's nice there's four of us so you know it's a little it is a little bit different there's times i can just take off mm-hmm. and say i'm not going to do this this episode and that keeps it it's funny because i never step away from the crew right now and i used to and i think i would get envious and so that would bring some of that energy back yeah. and i get envious of the dorks when they do it without me and i'm listening to them um <laughs> So those are some of the struggles, some of the ways, you know, you got to, you got to take a break, got to step back a little bit, got to give yourself some grace. Like you're impacting people and it can go to your head. I think two other things that are really key that people won't talk about is like, it goes to your head at some point I've been drinking out of this mug. And if your, your listeners can't see it, I'll tell them it's got an Ironman symbol on it. And so I was called the Ironman of IT because I race Ironmans and I'm an IT guy by trade. On that episode, they, they gave me that, that moniker. Well, one day that moniker went to my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, ego is a real thing, right? It's a muscle. 100%. And if you feed it, it will get too big at times. And I had to come down to earth a little bit and realize, whoa, 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 whoa. Like the Iron Man of IT is the person I play on this show. It's a perspective that I have, but it's not me. It's not all me. I'm a human. I have kids. I'm a dad. I'm a divorced dad now. Like I am all of these things. I'm not one. And this is just a part. And by the way, I'm not that freaking important. I'd love to say I was, but if I shut it all down, there'll be some sad people tomorrow, but the words world's going to spin. Things are going to keep going. So that perspective and that allowing yourself that grace and time is important because it can go to your head real quick. And none of us are above getting too big for our britches at times and, and thinking, you know, things it's like, well, no, you don't. And so that, I mean, you do too. That's the other part, right? Balance. It's not that I'm stupid. Not that I don't know what I'm doing and have an ability to put these things together. It's just, I'm just, you know, I'm telling the stories. And that's what I'm good at. And so that one was tough. And then continually being creative. Creativity is a process and it cannot be forced. And so how do you stay creative? How do you stay inspired? How do you go find those things that make you... I I, I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. So those were some of the challenges for me. And I think some of the ways I overcame it is... You know, being honest about it too. I mean, pause for the cause is hugely impactful, I think, for the people that listen. But what I don't think they understand is how impactful it is for me as I've gone through my own struggles and my own willingness to say, hey, dude, every day I'm not okay. You know, I got a microphone and a show. That doesn't mean I don't hurt certain days and I don't wake up. And struggle to get out of bed sometimes. And we have to be cool with that conversation. Like that's the the key is we're doing it in the construction industry because we're at a really big tipping point. But as humans, as people, like we're far more divisive than we've ever been in our lives. And that's just not in our society, I think. And that's not helping. It's really not. Because we, we've got this machismo or whatever you want to call it that we're, we're going to be okay every day. Mm-hmm. You're not. That doesn't mean you're a weak human. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means, it means you are a human. You know, it means you are, you know, in reality, skin and bones in a circulatory system that, that goes through ups and downs. You know, nobody has it all right. Go, you know, if you want, if you want to believe that, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, Go to TikTok. <laughs> that stuff's not real. Right? Um, I call it taking off the mask. And I think more people need to do it because then we're going to be able to check in with your buddy. You know, if I can, if I can say anything on the pause for the cause side of things that we do, you just check in with somebody. You know, if somebody acting different, if somebody's not what you're used to, mm-hmm. stop and ask them, but don't expect the answer. Right. Don't anticipate it. Just stop and ask them and be like, Cam, I'm your bro, man. Are you all right? Are things good? And if they're not, you don't have to be a therapist. You just have to be a friend, a person. You could be, you never know when you ask that person that question and that's the day 
they needed that and it can have a huge impact. That's why we ask people to do it on job sites and pay attention to those things because we have such a huge issue. But we can do that in our day to day. And we should. Wow, man. Thanks a lot for that. Was deep. Really appreciate it. It's great. I, I have, I mean, this, I'm just going to tell you, this is like a dream cam and I don't know if I'm going to wake up and I don't really want to because this ride has been fantastic. My other thing, because we went deep, but my, I, I like going back to light a little bit. My other thing is, is if you're thinking about doing this, yeah. like getting into the B2B and getting in and starting a podcast, it's not easy. There's a lot that goes into it, but it is super rewarding and do it. Try it. Here's the funny thing. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not a lot of overhead to get started. It's not a lot of effort and it's a whole lot of fun and you never know if you're going to catch fire and you could be 10 years down the road and talking to Cam on the B2B <laughs> podcast with your own shows and just kind of enjoying it. Right? It's a, it's a dream for me and I'm just, uh, I'm super grateful and And yeah, like I said, I got a lot of gratitude for everybody who listens and the opportunity, you know, people like you finding us to talk to and, and the next generation of people going out and doing it and telling the stories. It's, it's awesome. Jeff, I propose we close on that note because that's absolutely perfect. Bring it, bring us home. If people want to know more about you, that uh, the contact crew or any of the other shows, where should they go? Uh, you can go to thecontactcrew.com to check out the shows. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts. We have a YouTube channel. So youtube.com forward slash at thecontactcrew. If you want to find me on LinkedIn and follow what I'm posting, follow what I'm doing, that's where I, I'm most active. You can find me. It's uh, go to the LinkedIn and I'm Iron Man of IT You know, at the end of it. You know, Jeff Sample, you can find me out there. I'm happy to talk to anybody and connect. I think you know we're just growing a great world. So find me there and connect and, you know, connect with people. Awesome. We'll put all the links in the show notes just so people can easily navigate to them. Jeff, I appreciate you a lot. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You too, Cam. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com. Have a great day.